This morning, I've titled my sermon, Finishing Strong. Because Paul tells Timothy in another letter, we've been dealing with Ephesians, but Paul tells Timothy, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. It's all about finishing the race. And as we wrap up this letter that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, I want to focus on, yes, this prayer, and I want to focus more on prayer this morning, especially as we come into the season of prayer and fasting and Lent. But the broader context is about finishing strong. I recently heard a pastor talk about heroes in the faith, and these people that he was talking about are so challenging to our faith, and I want to... Uh, pick a couple of them that we find in scripture as well because it's almost cliche in some way some form or the other it's not about how you start it's about how you finish that really matters I mean you can have your ups and downs and you may get knocked down once in a while but you have to keep fighting the fight you have to finish the race And Paul is encouraging us, finish strong. Don't just drag yourself over the finish line, finish strong. And in Genesis chapter 5, we we are introduced to a person called Enoch. Most of us know his story if we've been here. Just four verses. And so Genesis 5, chapter 5, verses 21 onwards talks about Enoch. It says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Verse 22, after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. 23, altogether Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because God took him away. Another translation of the New American, it says, and he was not. He walked faithfully with God 300 years. Talk about finishing well. 300 years he walked faithfully with God, and he was not because God took him away. Deuteronomy 34 is another person, another hero, Moses, someone's story we're a lot more familiar with. We know that he was born in probably the worst time in Israel's history because they were slaves in Egypt. And you know, Pharaoh was persecuting everybody, all the kids back then. He was born a Hebrew slave, but of course is brought up as a prince of Egypt in the palaces of Pharaoh. And in his own strength, he tries to deliver his people, you know, by killing this Egyptian and burying him in the dirt, you know, but it doesn't turn out too good for him, right? Doesn't out too good an idea to do it his way, and he's chased out, running for his own life, and then he ends up in the desert of Midian for 40 years. He's there just tending to sheep, his father-in-law's sheep, just taking care of the sheep until he encounters a burning bush, 
that is on fire, but it's not being consumed. And so you see an 80-year-old man who most probably, who probably has forgotten all about being the chosen leader that God wanted him to be, right? Probably thinking he blew his chance to lead his people out. The last thing on his mind probably was trying to go back and rescue his people. I, I, I mean, I'm just, the Bible is silent, but I can assume that. The furthest thing from his mind, yet God speaks to him. He's 80 years old and he says, hey, it's time. And of course, Moses comes up with all the excuses possible why not to do it. And as always, God wins. And he goes back and leads Israel out of Egypt, right? And so for the next 40 years, from ages 80 to 120, you see the most significant and influential years of Moses' life. Those years that changed the whole destiny of the nation of Israel on the whole. And at age 120, right at the edge of Canaan, he dies. And turn with me to Deuteronomy 34, 5 through 7. It's pretty amazing. The person who the Bible calls meek. It says, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab in accordance with the word of the Lord. And he buried him. Who is this talking about? God buried him in the valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his burial place to this day. And then this part. And although Moses was 120 years old when he died, his eyesight was not dim, nor had his vigor left him. The New Living Translation says his eyesight was clear and he was strong as ever. At age 120, another person was saying his eyesight was great and he was, and like one pastor said, he was still pumping iron. Did he get it right all the time? No, he didn't. But he finished strong. One more hero of the faith, we find another familiar story we find in Joshua chapter 14. His name is Caleb. In Joshua 14, Caleb's story, he lived through the 40 years that the Israelites roamed around in the wilderness and, and also through the conquest of the promised land, Canaan. Him and Joshua and uh, it's not a stretch of the imagination that they were pretty good friends because they were the only people who were around that age, right? That they were pretty good friends because they were the only two people who didn't have a problem going into the land of the giants. And he comes to Joshua while Joshua is basically uh, dividing the land, the promised land into the tribes. And he comes to Joshua chapter uh, Joshua chapter 14, verse 6, he says, Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenesite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. I mean, it's set apart right them, him and Joshua. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me 
made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Man, what a way. I mean, just imagine that as an epitaph. Followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Verse 9, so on that day Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that, your and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Same thing again. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today. 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. I mean, you look at it, 85 years old, and how many 85 years old? You could think he's totally allowed to say, you know, I've done my part, now I just want to kick back and relax, you know, and get what's due me, due to me. See what he says, though. You know, I want to sit on that rocking chair on my porch and watch the sunset. But see what he says. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and the cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out as he said. Yes. It's pretty amazing. You don't hear anything about, you know, I just want to relax and chill a little. No. He's going after those giants, you know. Those giants and me have unfinished business. He's still going out after them. I want to go after them. You know, he wanted to do it last time, but he couldn't because everybody else kind of chickened out. But he's got, like I said, unfinished business right there. And it's pretty amazing. Several more examples we can see in God's Word, but pretty amazing. Enoch walking with God 300 years. Moses living his most significant years from age 80 to 120. Caleb at 85 saying, hey, give me those giants right now. Talk about finishing strong. It's not about how old you are. Age does not matter. What matters is that you finish that race and finish strong. Finish strong. Paul himself, you come into the end of his life, he's writing to Timothy, his spiritual son, in verse chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, and we know this. He says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. And then the words, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. I didn't quit, I didn't stop, I didn't give up, I didn't slow down, I didn't back down. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. He finished strong, just like Enoch did, just like Moses did, just like Caleb did. It's pretty remarkable because he's been beaten, he's been shipwrecked, he's been stoned, he's been, I mean, whipped. And now he's under house arrest. And he's encouraging Timothy, hey, let's go. It's time for you to step up. Fan into flames. What? The gift that was given you. Let's go, Timothy. Man, how did they do it? Enoch, Moses, Joshua, Caleb, Paul. 
How did they finish strong? How do we finish strong? How do we finish strong? And I think the answer is found in this last section, the last few verses of the book of Ephesians. And so let's look at some suggestions from this text as we wrap up this whole letter that he wrote. We know and we've gone through how he's told this church in Ephesus, this church in Ephesus about their rich inheritance as believers because of who they are in Christ. He's talking about the power that they have in him, the power that they have at their disposal. And he keeps encouraging them as he comes to chapter 4. You know, walk in, a wor- walk in a way worthy of the calling. Live lives worthy of the calling. And of course, he says, hey, it's a fight. It's not going to be easy. It's a fight against a supernatural foe. But God has given us a supernatural armor to go in that fight. And now finish it. Finish that fight. Finish that race. God has empowered you, given you that armor. Keep fighting. Finish strong. Finish strong. Finally, verse 10 onwards. Finally, I'm going to go through the last section. Be strong in the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For a struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm there. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the lord's people another translation says all the saints pray also for me that whenever i speak words may be given me so that i will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which i am an ambassador in chains Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. If you want to finish strong, I mean, this is Paul encouraging the church. If you want to finish strong, we're looking at the part from verse 18 onwards. If you want to finish strong, you need to stay committed to prayer. You need to stay committed to pray, to prayer. Verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. The New American says, with all prayers and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition with all and petition for all the saints. I know some people, some scholars, some commentators, they, they consider this the seventh piece of the armor. You know, and 
it's okay. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to lose any sleep arguing with people over this. It doesn't really. But for me personally, I think while it's connected to the armor, it is separate from the other six that is kind of like a little different, specific. It's not a specific piece of armor. We've looked at all the other pieces before. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet fitted with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions. And some suggest that prayer, and this is the way I, 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 view, I like to view this, that prayer is to be added to every piece of the armor. Add all prayer. As you put on the belt. Add all prayers as you put on the breastplate. Add all prayers as you put on the shoes. Add all prayer as you take up the shield. As you put on that helmet. As you pick up that sword. Add prayer to it all. You notice in this verse, verse 18, even if you read it, just the one word that jumps out at you is repeated consistently. All. All. And that word is repeated four times, at least in the Greek and different versions, but it's repeated four times. Because it emphasizes, the point is it emphasizes the need for prayer. All prayer. Let's look at it real quick. First of all, it says, it's about the frequency of prayer. Pray at all times. Pray at all times. You don't need any big explanation. It is what it is. Pray at all times. Jesus says in 21, watch and pray always, all the time, Acts 6, 4, and we, are, we will give ourselves continually to pray, Romans 12, 12, it says continue diligent, uh, diligently in prayer, Colossians 4, 2 says continue in prayer, if, uh, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, 1 Thessalonians 5, we know this, pray without Seizing. The idea is pretty, pretty simple, consistent throughout Scripture. We pray at all times. We're called to pray at all times. And it's not just some recited prayer which the Israelites were used to back then. No, it's talking about a lifestyle of prayer. The whole idea of a lifestyle of prayer is to be aware of God or be conscious of God's presence in our lives every single day so that our hearts are open to hear from Him. That's the point of prayer at all times. It doesn't mean keep talking and babbling the whole time. When you pray at all times, it simply means being aware of God's presence where your heart is open to hear what He has to say. Your heart is open to see things the way He sees things. Your heart is open to do things the way you think and you know God is telling you to do. Pray at all times. All times. So the frequency of prayer, prayer at all times. Pray without season. The second thing that he talks about here with the emphasis on prayer is he says the second aspect of prayer is the second is the kind of prayer. And he says with prayer and petition or requests. Prayer with petition. Pray at all times. And then he says, pray all prayers and petitions. Or, you know, in the old version, supplications. The request that he's talking about here. All kinds of prayer. You pray all the time and you pray all kinds of prayer. Public, private, verbal, silent, you know, loud, soft, 
I don't know, planned, unplanned, spontaneous, it doesn't matter. You name it. It's all kinds of prayer. Prayer and your request. And it's kind of interesting because the Greek implies the first one. It talks about general prayer. And then when it comes to requests, he's being more specific in that prayer. Specific requests right there. Pray all kinds of prayers. Pray all kinds of petitions. Pray, like I said, you know, every manner of prayer, every type of prayer, it doesn't matter what kind of prayer. You pray at all times. And Paul tells Timothy, I will that all men every way, what? Pray. Pray. General prayers, specific prayers, we just pray. That's what he's saying. All kinds of prayers. So the first one is frequency of prayer. Pray at all times. All kinds of prayers. And the third one, he's talking more about how. The how of prayer. It's the manner in which to pray. And he says, with all prayer and petition, praying at all times, with what manner? Be alert, be on the alert, and with all perseverance and requests. All perseverance. Let's say, sorry, that was from the New American. Be alert and always keep on praying. Perseverance, right there. The word perseverance. Frequency, the kinds of prayer, and praying with perseverance and alertness. Perseverance and alertness. It's very, very similar to what Jesus says. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. It's the same kind of idea. Watch. Be alert. Find something specific to pray about. Be alert, attentive, vigilant. Pick out specifics to pray about. I was reading, and one of the, one pastor gave this example, and it was an, about a, a man called Frank, actually. And he had a spiral notebook, and he would come up to the pastor in the foyer every week before service, and he says, now what can I pray for? And as the pastor would give him a list of specific things to pray for, he'd write it down in a spiral book. And guess what? When he came back next week, he'd come and ask the pastor, Pastor, I prayed about that. What happened? And he makes notes about whatever the pastor says. And I th think the pastor was kind of annoyed in the beginning, but he soon began to appreciate it. And then the pastor asked him one day, how many of these notebooks do you have? And this guy says, man, he's got a whole stack of them. Like, do you think Frank really believed that the prayers were going to be answered? Yes, he did. Of course he did. He has a whole stack of them. Because he believed that when we pray, God answers prayer. All he had to do was open that. People ask him, if someone were to ask him, hey, Frank, do you think God answers prayer? All he has to do is open that book and look, okay, which one, which kind of prayer are you talking about? He's got a list out there. Pray at all times, all kinds of prayer, and pray with persistence. You're not nagging God. You're just aligning yourself to what God wants to do in your life and what God is doing around us. Find something. Be alert in prayer. Find something to pray about and be persistent. And the word actually is it's all perseverance. That's your given to it. Totally committed to that. Intensive is the word. Intensive commitment is what it's talking about when it says perseverance right there. And as I was writing this down, it just, just got to be honest because most people are intense in prayer when something personal happens to them. And I'll be honest, I've fallen into that boat too. 
We tend to be intense in our prayers when there's something that's affecting us personally. You know, and then, again, you find these people, the breakthrough comes and, you know, the prayer kind of just falls down by the wayside. Again, not condemning anybody or anything else, but the challenge is real right here. Don't let my commitment to prayer be limited to the times when I'm going through a hard time and I need God to come through. Be committed. It says intensely committed in prayer. Again, it's just, it's about being more God conscious in our lives. It's about being more God-conscious in our lives. And the truth is, the more God-conscious you are, the more aware of God's presence you have, of God's presence in your life, the less consumed you are with yourself and the more consumed you are with God and things around you. Learn. I think we need to learn to persevere in prayer. Pray at all times, all kinds of prayers, staying alert. And with all perseverance and forth, it says there, Pray for all the Lord's people. Pray for all the Lord's people. Again, it says, I think the KJV says, pray for all the saints. And the New American, sorry. It says, pray for all the saints. All the saints. Great reminder that our prayers are always directed to God. He, you know, we come to God in prayer. But the subject is all the saints kind of interesting not that we don't pray for ourselves one commentator put it this way he is the direct object of all prayer you pray to God for God's glory then you pray for the saints for God's glory to be displayed through those saints too that was an interesting take but the important thing I think here is that a focus of our prayers has to be outside us the focus of our prayer has to be outside us, not just us and our little circle all the time. For all the saints, praying at all times with all kinds of prayer, with alertness, being specific, being persevering in our prayer. And praying for all the saints, that's how, that's how the body of Christ ought to operate. Honestly, church, it just... It's the truth. We cannot just be caught up with our own trouble, church. It's about the whole body of Christ when we pray. Again, just, it's just a reminder for myself too. And we talked about it on Wednesdays on the mark of a Christian. One of the marks of a believer is that the focus shifts from us to others. That's one of the mark of believers. We're not so self-centered anymore. Others matter. And so we pray for all the saints. So you pray at all times, all kinds of prayers, staying alert with all perseverance and praying for all the saints, the broader body of Christ to stay strong to finish. In order, sorry, in order to finish strong, you have to stay committed to prayer. You want to finish strong, there is no shortcut. You have to stay committed to prayer. I think the older we get, one of the greatest disciplines we can sustain is prayer. You know, as, as things get grayer and thinner up there, and <laughs> the, glasses, the glasses get thicker, and we may not have the energy we once had, especially, I mean, some of you seasoned believers, the one thing the younger folks appreciate and rely and need more than ever before is your prayer. 
stay committed to prayer. And the challenge to us younger folk, especially when the kids start coming along, the easiest discipline to neglect is prayer. You know, between chasing after the kids, getting them from one practice to another practice, and putting out one fire to another, you know, balancing work life, it's so easy to lose focus and neglect prayer. And so he says, come on, if you want to finish strong, you've got to be committed to prayer. Committed to prayer. I was reading this and it just resonated with me. It says, I know as parents we pray for our kids, but make a fresh list every month and be specific because it gives you more motivation to prayer. And I thought it was a great idea because I realized as I was thinking through it, sometimes I tend to generalize my prayer for my kids. But, you know, I thought it was a great idea. Make a fresh list every month to pray specifically. Yeah, they're going to start driving soon, you know, and then you pray for them, pray for the others too, you know, you automatically pray more. But I thought it was really good. And I'm, I'm like, I need to be more intentional about that. Pray at all times, church, all kinds of prayers. Don't let the busyness of life, we say this time and time again, don't let the busyness of life make you too busy to pray. Because it brings me hope. It brings me strength. It keeps me positive when everything else is bleak. I've never met someone who went into prayer and came back and says, man, I'm so negative now. <laughs> no. Keeps us positive. Keeps us focused. Focus on what is to come, not just what's happening right now. Amen. That's why we pray. Finish strong. If you want to finish strong, stay committed to prayer. Stay committed to prayer. If you want to finish strong, be fearless. Be fearless. Verse 19 and 20, it says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will be fearless. So I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. And again, pray that I may declare it Fearlessly, as I should. Literal translation there is bold. That I may be bold in proclaiming the gospel. Courageous. Twice he uses this word fearless. If we want to finish strong, we've got to be fearless. The New American actually says boldly. Be courageous, fearless in our witness, especially when it pertains to standing for the truth. Especially when it comes to standing for the truth. I mean, you think about it. Where, where is Paul right now? He's in prison. It's not been fair for sure. Almost two years without even a trial. Chained to a Roman guard. But you don't hear him any kind of complaining. No request. Hey, pray for me that these chains, you know, these chains that have been, these shackles, you know, they're a little rough, cutting into my skin. No, nothing of that sort at all. Two years he's been like that almost. Two years. And what's he saying? His focus is not on himself. What does he say? That I may be fearless because there's a cause greater than just me and my what I'm going through right now so that I'll be courageous bold to proclaim the gospel verse 20 look at that part there verse 20 for which I'm an ambassador he says that I may declare it fearlessly as I should I mean read that last part it's quite interesting when you think about it a little more as I should Paul had Total understanding of what his calling was. That's what I should be doing 
So pray that I will do it fearlessly. That's what God has called me to do. Pray that I will do it fearlessly. In spite of all these chains, pray that I will have the boldness to do what God has called me to do. Because that's what I should be doing. You know, some may, may think, hey, this is Paul, you know. Was he not bold in his witness and his proclamation of his gospel? You know, this is the great apostle Paul after all. Was he not bold, you know? Probably the boldest and most courageous guy back then. I mean, he's just trying to be humble when he say, pray that I'll be fearless. Really? Have you read enough of Paul to get a better picture of him? I mean, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, when he comes to Corinth, it's pretty incredible. Actually, let's turn 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. Real quick. He comes to Corinth. You need to know the history of, uh, and we'll get into it real soon, sorry. 2 verse 4, he says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Sorry, verse 3. I'm, where am I going? In verse 3, chapter 2, verse 3. He says, I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. He's coming, he says, in weakness, he's fearful and he's trembling. And he's coming to Corinth. And you got to think through, why, why is he saying that? He's just come from where? From Athens. What's he done at Athens? Just had these debates with these great philosophers and everything else. And he basically got beaten up because the Bible doesn't, he doesn't start any kind of church there. There are no converts in Athens at all. And he kind of leaves there and comes to Corinth. And then Corinth is the most happening city in town. It's like going from little redneck Texas to New York City right in the middle there. No wonder he's coming with his gospel. And he's here fearful. He's in trembling. He really is worried a little. That's him. And that's why he says, I need prayer because I need to be bold. It doesn't come automatically to Paul either. Boldness. Somehow we think that Paul is superhuman in, in, in his, you know, and he, he had his struggles too. He really did have his struggles. If you read in 2 Corinthians, he says, man, we were in despair, despair unto death. I mean, he was really discouraged right there. And that's why he asked for prayer. And here, I mean, he's 60, almost 60, 65 years old, and he's asking for prayer for what? Boldness to still stand strong. If you want to finish strong, you've got to be bold in your witness. Prayer and bold in your witness. Bold to speak. The older we get, you know, we just need to keep, we tend to want to just keep quiet and just, you know, live our own lives and let them do whatever they want to do. No, we cannot do that anymore. We need to be bold and stand up for the truth. Yes, be wise and selective in the way we want to speak. Don't just... Speak out your mind without a filter, you know. I was reading, resist the urge to have an opinion about everything. Yes. But don't, I mean, don't be tactless as you speak. But speak. Don't just stand by and let people live their lives. When there is a matter of the truth, stand for the truth. People will listen when you stand for the truth. If you want to finish strong, stand strong. Be fearless. When you proclaim the truth. Be fearless when you stand for the truth. Especially when it's being compromised. They will listen. Stand for the truth. Be fearless. Be committed to prayer. Finishing strong is about being committed to prayer. It's about being fearless. Number three. If you want to finish strong. Develop meaningful relationships. Develop 
cultivate, invest in meaningful relationships. Verses 21 and 22, Paul names one person right here. He says, Tychicus, Tychicus, however they say it. Verse 21 and 22. Tychicus, Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I'm sending him to you for, for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Kind of insignificant little person, but the point is this. If you want to finish strong, you need to have a circle of friends who you invest in and they invest in you to carry you strong to the end. Tychicus. He was free, but he chose to stay with Paul. He's the one who actually gives the letter to the church in the Colossian letter, takes that letter to them. These are the friendships that bring life. These are the friendships that bring strength. These are the friends that will stand with you when you're going through those down times. These are the friends that will stand with you when you're going through a rough time. The older we get, the more friends we ought to have because they will walk with us as we pursue God's call on our lives. You want to finish strong, I encourage you. Encourage you. Find people who will walk with you. Find people who will walk with you because they will encourage you when you fall. They will push you to not quit. They will pick you up if that needs to be done. And be that kind of friend too. Not just have friends like that. You need to be that kind of friend as well. If you want to finish strong, you need to be and have friends like Tychicus. And if you read Paul's letters, there's 45 people he names and he calls them co-workers, co-laborers. All those people who are all about one thing, the building of the kingdom of God. They had one goal, one purpose. And as they did that, they encouraged and stood with one another. If you want to finish strong, circle yourself with friends. You need to find and invest in meaningful, meaningful relationships. And I pray that your circle grows bigger the older you get, you know. Stay committed. You want to finish strong, stay committed to prayer. Be fearless standing up for the truth. And then find and invest in meaningful relationships. If you want to finish strong, let your life be consumed with the love of God. Let His love captivate capture your heart. Let it just be soaking into your lives. Let it be evident for those. Last few verses he says as he wraps it up. Peace to the brothers in Christ and love with faith from God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. The, other, the, the Greek is more about uncorruptible love. Paul is just amazing, you know, when he begins and writes his letters and when he ends his letters, it's almost the same idea. It's peace, love, faith, grace. Last words in this letter, last two words is undying love, uncorruptible love. All that's happened to him, no complaining, no bitterness, no anger, undying love. That's it uncorruptible love. I mean this stuck in prison, chained to a soldier, 
Life hasn't gone as he planned or thought it would go. Totally unfair. Yet for him, the love of Christ is all that mattered in the end. That's all that matters. If you want to finish strong, you need to allow the love of Christ to dwell richly in you. And hear me out. You need to learn to love God more every day if you're going to finish strong. You've got to learn to love God more every day. Because I can teach you doctrine, I can teach you Bible, I can teach you scripture and all there is to know about God as you know for it. And I can do it faithfully as I can, but I can never force you to love God. You've got to do that on your own. It's something you've got to do on your own. Let his love captivate your heart. Let it saturate your life. That when it's squeezed, what comes out? Love itself. That's Paul finishing strong, squeezed, but still talking about his undying love that is in Christ Jesus Christ. If you want to finish strong, church, be committed to prayer. Be fearless in standing for the truth. Invest in meaningful friendships and let the love of Christ dwell in your hearts deeply and richly. Bow your heads with me at this time. I know we've spent a lot of time in this book and I've enjoyed it and I hope you have too. But thank God for his word. Thank God for someone like a Paul who at the end of his life, he knows he's there and he says, come on, Timothy, I have fought the fight, the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. It's not about quitting. It's not about letting go. It's not about giving up. No, not at all. It's about finishing and finishing strong. Finishing and seeing the job done. That the call that God placed on his life, that he would do it and do it faithfully. Till Christ called him home. It's about finishing strong. All the heroes of the faith, you go through the Bible, you'll find so many of them. They had ups and they had downs. It's not about getting it right all the time, but it's about persevering to the end. Finishing strong. I know the tendency is to, you know, let's pack it in a little, you know, just get smaller, closer, you build, you kind of close the blinds of your house, you know, just do our own thing that's not finishing strong at all it's staying committed to prayer committed to prayer so easy to neglect that but stay committed to prayer at all times for all all kinds of prayers all kinds of prayers persevere in prayer that intensity commitment to prayer not just in the bad times be committed to prayer be fearless in 
and standing for the truth. Don't resist the urge to just, you know, I'll just do, I'll just stay in my lane here, you know, I'll just stay in my lane, let them do whatever they want. There's no staying in your lane, yeah, but when the truth is being compromised, stand up. That I may be fearless in proclaiming the gospel. I'm not talking about just going out and, you know, preaching and everything else. Yes, if you can do that, great. But I'm talking about taking a stand when it comes to the truth. Be fearless about taking that stand. Let me be honest here. Some people will get upset and mad, but more people will appreciate you telling them the truth than not. Be wise, be tactful. want to finish strong, find a circle of friends who will walk with you as you pursue Christ. Someone that you can invest in and someone that can invest. Doesn't matter. The age doesn't matter. If you want to stay strong, finish strong. Let your life be consumed by the love of Christ. Learn to love Him more. Fall deeper in love with Him every day. It's not something anyone else can do. It's just between you and God. I want to love you more, God. Let's all stand.